Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio. Happy Frozen 2 Day. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And you guys got another bonus episode this week. We are just the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> we are very excited for today's episode because we are so fortunate to have been joined by Andrew Ford. He was an animator on Frozen 2. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you for having me. We're very happy to have you here. Before we get into Frozen 2, we want to know more about you. Tell us about yourself. When did you realize that you wanted to be an animator, and how exactly did you get started? When I was really young, I would uh, read comics like uh, Calvin and Hobbes and Garfield and things like that. And even from a very young age, I knew I wanted to be a cartoonist. Um, whether that meant animation or not, I wasn't quite sure. But as I got into high school, started doing figure drawing and things like that, I just had a love for it. I, right out of high school, applied for some animation colleges, but my work just wasn't strong enough. So I, in university up in Canada, I started taking more life drawing and things like that to work and build a portfolio, which finally got me to Emily Carr um, Institute of Art and Design for animation in Vancouver, where I kind of learned a little bit about how to make it, how to be a filmmaker. We had to direct everything, make our own short film. And that was kind of like the basis of how I got my skills up or like at least learned how to animate um, in general and got like my first glimpse of it. From then it was just practice and practice and fail and keep trying and fail again and keep practicing and keep applying. And finally, um, after a few years, I got into Disney eventually. That's awesome. It's very nice to see your hard work paying off. Yeah, it's not instantaneous. That's for sure. I sure wasn't like a natural to begin with. It, it took a lot of work, but if you have like a good group of people who can look at your work and give you um, positive feedback and constructive feedback, uh, I think, yeah, everyone grows together. So now you've got some huge Disney credits under your belt, such as Zootopia, Moana, and Ralph Breaks the Internet. Did those prepare you for the Frozen fandomonium, or is this just on a whole other level? I mean, I was a fan of Frozen. It, I didn't work on the first one, obviously. It was before my time. And just seeing what they did and seeing the way the music just had so much meaning for people and how people connected with it. It was definitely something that I was looking forward to even years in advance, like knowing that that was coming just to be a part of that and use those iconic characters like Olaf and um, Kristoff, Anna and Elsa, obviously. Um, it was something very exciting. Each film has its own, you kind of get in the weeds and you're really locked into and concentrating on that film at the time. But for sure, Frozen's a special one or Frozen 2 was to look forward to. So you mentioned some of those iconic characters before, and you've worked on Ralph Breaks the Internet, now Frozen 2, and we mentioned some of the others, Zootopia, Moana. Do you find it easier to work with characters that have already been established, or is your preference to work with new ones and make them your own? That's a good question. I think a lot of times, one thing that we set up is our supervisors. They set up basically rules for the character, how they move and stuff, and if a character is established... We've kind of already got this set amount of rules, so it's kind of easy to follow, but you don't want to repeat yourself either. So you need to find new ways of exploring those characters. Like maybe Ralph, he's got rules, but maybe he can do something different. Like he's going to fly off the handle even more, or maybe he's going to destroy something in a different way. You always try and find those challenges. I really like exploring new characters, um, especially before the movie starts. We get to do tests, and we get to just throw stuff against the wall. Some of it fails, but... There's some like hilarious things that can happen, and sometimes that can spark an idea 
of the way a character moves that we've never seen before. And then that can work its way in the film. And I find that super rewarding when that can happen. If you could take any hand-drawn character in the Disney catalog to animate digitally, who would you want to work on and why? Genie comes to my mind from Aladdin uh, right away. I was just, I think Aladdin is one of the movies where I saw it in a friend like me when that musical number came on and I like realized that that was a possibility. That stuck with me and I think a huge influence in why I'm an animator today, which is really cool because we have Eric Goldberg in the building who's responsible for drawing the genie and he's, you know, just a couple offices down and we can run stuff by him when we, we need to. And I, I would say I would love to do a CG genie just to see what that would be like. I don't know that it's justice, but I would have a lot of fun doing it. So you've animated a bunch of different environments, such as an urban setting, a tropical setting, a digital setting, and now you're working with all of these natural elements. What was the most challenging for you? I think there's just making sure that the character feels like they're in the environment. There's uh, woods that our characters are in a lot, and that means there's like leaves and branches and trees that you have to be aware of, and just it makes it more believable when the character is aware of those things, or you can find a way to naturally interact with those things. So that's what we try and do here. So how long have you been working on this project? Because I know there's a lot of pre-production and then obviously the movie wraps. How long have you been with the project? We animate on a project for about eight to 10 months, um, depending on the project. But I think I was on for, I was on early. So I think just over eight months I was on. The whole project took about four years. It's mainly about two and a half to three years of story and developing that and storyboarding it out. And then it, the last year or so gets into production and that's when uh, animation comes into play. Once you really get into the nitty gritty, what does your day look like when you, you know, from when you get in the morning to when you leave? We'll have issuing first with the directors. So the directors will get to sit in, watch the sequence and storyboard for them. And we'll have been assigned like two to five shots in that sequence. And Kind of we work with the animator before us and after us to make sure that all hooks up. The director will tell us, okay, at this time, this is the point these characters are at in the film. Here's where they came from. Here's where they're going. And we try and get as much information out of them as possible to make it as like believable a performance as we can. Then we'll go back to our desk and kind of just either some people will draw, sketch, do a sketch pass first and try and work out what they're going to do. Other people shoot reference of themselves acting. Um, that's something I like to do because that way I can quickly do lots of different versions of it and try and find out which one the best is for me. Then we'll block it really roughly just to give the director an idea of what we think the scene will look like. So we'll have the character in maybe two or three poses that just tell the story of that shot. We'll show that to the director before we do too, too much work on it. And then they'll give notes on like, well, I think they should be more sad in this area or you could have him move more screen right in this area and then we'll go in and actually do the really fine details and make it look as good as possible and hopefully it goes back and forth and we get a lot of notes from our supervisors and from our heads of animation on how to make things better so all in all I might be working on a shot that's about a 10 second shot would be two to three weeks of working on that little section of a shot that's pretty much what a normal day looks like or how we approach our shots so if you're able to tell us anything at all, we need to ask, what specifically did you animate in Frozen 2? Um, I got to animate most of the lead characters. Um, I got to animate Olaf in the woods. I don't know specifically if I even want to say because it's kind of a surprise. Um, I think 
the character that I got to do uh, deal with most was Anna, who watching that first Frozen and seeing the character that she was like uh, when I look back at it, even after the first time watching, I felt like it was Elsa's movie. But rewatching it and actually like paying close attention, it's definitely Anna's movie, and she is the hero. And um, to be able to like continue with her, and she just felt like such an interesting character in Frozen too. Um, I got to do a lot of her stuff and a lot of her singing shots, which um, was like a really good challenge for me. Uh, what do you relate to most in Frozen 2, whether it's a character or a part of the story? Again, if you can say without giving anything away. I think the sense of family is really important. Um, having someone who's got your back no matter where you're at. You don't have to be like a mythical creature or like you don't have to have magic powers to still like make a difference in someone's life. I think that's like an important thing that I gravitate to. Just knowing where my family and seeing the support of them, they're going to go to this movie this weekend as they do every movie, no matter what it is. So that kind of support, unwavering support, is really uh, something I connect with. We had reviewed Mary Poppins Returns a few months ago on the show, and we did like the movie, but something that we had noticed was rather than that film seeming like a sequel to the original Mary Poppins film, it was almost as if each scene and each song was a sequel of their equal part from the first film. So was it a challenge to say, uh, stay consistent without directly pulling from the original Frozen film when it came to developing some of what you did here in the new movie? I think that this is just a natural extension of that first movie. With the success of that first movie, there was no way that we wanted to try to copy it or emulate it or even like expect anything like that to happen again. So this is just a continuation, just like... Elsa and Anna have evolved, so have the filmmakers here and us, so we really are trying to tell like a new part of their chapter or a new chapter in their lives and not repeat ourselves if possible. I think that would be like a foolish thing to even try to do um, after that first one, so this is more of a continuation. You mentioned before uh, Eric Goldberg being just a few offices down. What is it like learning from some of the uh, animators that were a part of that Disney renaissance? You talked before about Aladdin and how important that was. And now you're learning from those guys, and those guys learn from the nine old men. So what does that lineage mean to you? I mean, it's super important the way that they are integrated into our workflow. Like, we usually have one dedicated 2D animator, whether it's Eric Goldberg or Mark Hen or Randy Haycock they'll actually be sitting in our dailies and they can offer drawovers or like plus poses for us if they see something that we can make more Disney. It's kind of, um, there's an appeal to their drawings that it's very hard to get just with the CG model, but we can go to them, they can draw over top of it and we can try and hit it. And it's really part of almost everyone's workflow here. And to have them as that resource, they can recall like scenes and other animators to look at instantaneously. They are an absolute wealth of knowledge. And I think it's one of the things that differentiates Disney animation from other studios is having those guys in the building. You mentioned earlier that you were a fan of the first Frozen film. So what is it like now having been from watching it in the movie theater to having your hands in it? Uh, it's really fun, especially those iconic characters. Uh, the first time I got to animate Olaf, was the blast. There's obviously you're a bit nervous because you want to make sure that you do it justice, but to be able to like push him and squish him around and to put on your headphones and hear Josh Gad's voice in them and like to bring him to life, that it, it's a thrill. It's like one of those thrills where you can easily get bogged down in work and you put your head down and you like 
it, it becomes a bit of a grind, especially at the end when it's busy, but it's a kind of a place in working with these characters. It's the thing that reminds you just how special it is and like how fortunate we are to be here. You mentioned Josh Gad just now, and you mentioned the genie before. I keep going back to the genie, but I think it's important because we know that Robin Williams had a lot of improv when it came to his role, and I'm sure Josh Gad sort of falls in the same vein. Is that a challenge for you guys, having to sometimes keep up with the voice actor? Uh, we love it. They do so many takes. Um, it's awesome when you can tell something that is improv or something that is super surprising that the directors or the scriptwriters wouldn't have thought of. It's kind of why I think you hire those actors to be there in the first place. If you can like take their natural, he's got such a natural humor. He came and did a talk actually for the animators and kind of just talked about his process and what he sees, where he sees Olaf going. And he had us rolling in the aisles with how funny he is. He's just naturally very witty and stuff. And so when he can put that stuff in and you get that as part of your shot sequence, something you're working on, and you've got that special little moment, it it means everything because you can put something else extra in there. What part of this is the most enjoyable for you? Is it the anticipation going into a pre-production or do you like to fast forward right to the premiere at the El Capitan Theater? What is what is the most fun for you? Well, overall, like the most joy is the actual work. Like to be able to do that every day and know that like I'm contributing, I try and find like that happiness every day. I think at the end, like this time right now is really fun because there's an anticipation. Um, I've got six nieces with like different siblings, so they're all excited and to be able to share with them, like I can't wait for them to see it this weekend and then we'll talk about it and like just see their reactions and um, that's really fun for me too. It's very rewarding. How hard is it to keep the secrets from the family, specifically the nieces, because I'm sure they've been asking you about it for a long time. Yeah, clearly you're the favorite uncle. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. They know better than to ask me anymore. I just I just keep breaking their hearts. So they, they know better to, uh, than to even ask. What is the timeline now? Because I'm sure you guys are wrapping this one up and it's almost time to start thinking about the next project. So how much downtime do you have before you jump into the next film? It's different for every animator because at the beginning of a movie, there's only a small team that rolls onto the next movie. So in the meantime, some people are taking vacation. We have a lot of other projects going on at the studio right now, different short films, things like that. Um, so some people get cast to those for just a smaller amount of time. And then a few people might be put on to the next movie. I was one of those people who got put onto the next one pretty early. So I've already been doing tests and stuff for that. Um, we had a bit of downtime afterwards cause we finished our part of frozen two in August. So we've had a bit of time since then to kind of relax while the last departments are taking care of all their stuff. So the last bit of like audio dubbing and lighting and rendering things like that. So it, it's different. I think the bulk of people will be on in the new year for the next movie. Are you able to tell us what the next movie is? Uh, yeah, it's been announced. It's uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, which is like a Southeast Asian fantasy, like inspired by Southeast Asia. It's, it's been really fun to work on so far. Oh, awesome. That's right. I remember they announced that at D23. At D23, yeah. What's the release date on that again? It'll be about a year from now, um, next November. Have you been to the parks recently? Either Florida or California? Uh, I've been to Disneyland here in uh, California maybe a month ago about. Yeah. What do you think pretty. of the uh, Frozen representation in the parks? I mean, the theater's pretty great. And I haven't been to the Frozen ride in Florida yet. So I think it's great. Like, 
the theater show of Frozen, it's always it's busy still, and it's been years of that. So, yeah, we actually I, saw it on Broadway, and the one at DCA is probably better. Oh, really? Yeah, it's awesome. Oh. When you eventually come to Florida, no offense, but I think even you are probably going to need a fast pass to get on on the Frozen ride in Norway. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, it's it's crazy busy here. Like everything's busy, every ride is busy, especially with Star Wars now. Um, you just gotta just gotta know it going in and not let it affect you. So we saw a ten minute preview of Frozen Two when we were at Disney's. MGM Studios. Some people call it Hollywood Studios, but we've said it a hundred times. It's always the MGM Studios to us. We saw a ten-minute preview, and we're really excited for it. And my guess, and you, you don't have to confirm nor deny, but my guess is that I think we're going to learn that Elsa has a secret that she's known about for a very long time. So, with all that being said, what, as far as you can tell us, what do we have to look forward to in this new Frozen film? I think it's the adventure. The girls and Kristoff and Olaf, they go on a pretty amazing journey pretty far from Arendelle. Like, they leave the city and go outside. They meet some new characters who are very weird in some ways and unusual. I think, yeah, it's the adventure and the familial bonds. Like, it's it's that sisterly love that we established in the first one, and it's just how that has grown, how that has changed. There's something interesting, I think, about the difference of Frozen 1 and Frozen 2, where Frozen 1, Anna kind of, she had no friends, she was kind of isolated, and she had, like, nothing to lose. But I think after the end of Frozen 1, now we start in a place where she's kind of got everything she wants, so that means she's kind of got everything to lose. So that kind of sets the stakes for what Frozen 2 could be about. If you could sum up Frozen 2 in one word, what would it be? Beautiful. Well, Andrew Ford, thank you so much for joining us today on Monoreal Radio. Do you have any social media that you'd like to plug? Maybe a Twitter or an Instagram or a place where our listeners can find your portfolio? Uh, yeah, I have some artwork on my Instagram site, which is uh, aford underscore anim. That's where they can find my stuff. I try and post my artwork. Whether it, It's not all animation. Some of it's sculpture and things like that. Um, just hobbyists. But yeah, they're welcome to take a look. You know, that was really interesting, especially having done post-production myself. You know, he's saying that he draws inspiration from listening to Josh Gad. And it's, you know, me working in reality television. It's a very different <laughs> I gotta influence. dig a lot deeper. I totally relate to getting those network notes and everything like that. And it's sometimes it's such a drag when you've worked so hard on something and then you're given notes. But to get it, you know, I can't imagine what that must be like to get it from a Disney storyteller to help you tell your story as opposed to get it after you've put all the work in. Um, so that was really a big takeaway for me. But that really hit home with what he said about being able to draw from Josh Gad. I, I think that must be so amazing. And like, that's your day to day. And I'm taken aback by how humble he is. He is humble from Humboldt. So nice. Because that's where he is from originally, Humboldt, Saskatchewan. But really happy to have had him on today. Excited for Frozen 2. Excited for you guys to see Frozen 2 and to hear the episode and to hear what he had to say. I mean, if you haven't seen the movie yet, we saw it last night. You can go over to our Instagram to see our monoreel in a minute. But if you weren't excited for the film before, I find it hard to believe that you're not excited for it now. And please, if you have family or friends 
that are as excited for Frozen as you are, do us a favor, share the episode, put it on your social media, share it with your friends, because I think that anybody that loves Disney and is excited for this film would really get something out of that interview with Andrew. And don't forget, we do have our contest going on. It's going on until Sunday, December the 1st at 11.59 p.m. That great Disney Parks prize pack that we've got. The centerpiece, of course, is that limited edition Disney Parks Christmas Parade pin. All you need to do is give us a rating on either Facebook, or on your podcast platform of choice, and you are automatically entered to win. We're going to announce the winner of that contest during our episode on Tuesday, December the 3rd. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.